0: Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Paul, for the invitation to come. And uh, certainly my friendship with you has been a blessing to me as well. And uh, I thank God for you and I thank God for this church and uh, for the opportunity to minister to you. Uh, We retired 10 years ago from full-time pastoral ministry and uh, have discovered since then, as your pastor said, that you really don't re, don't retire and I'm thankful for that and uh, many opportunities to share in settings like this my wife and I drive school bus and uh, so we are off for the summer and uh, honestly and, and I love doing that I don't have a real job my wife has a real job I drive one of the what they call cadet buses and I take eight kids to a Christian school and uh, bring them home, and uh, so I take a ride in the morning, and another ride in the afternoon. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she drives for TSI, which is Soderton District, and she drives a big bus. And she puts a baseball cap on backwards, and you know, she, she, she really don't do that. She fills that bus, I think, probably a couple times every morning and every afternoon. And uh, the opportunities that the Lord gives us in that in that situation uh, is to be with people and uh, to have influence with the people that he puts you with, which is a wonderful thing. In fact, when we retired from full-time pastoral ministry, that had been so much a part of our lives for so many years. uh, I found myself wondering, Lord, are you still gonna use us? Are you still gonna work through us? And uh, of course, the answer is obvious, absolutely. And I really believe that I've never done anything more significant in my life than I'm doing right now. And, and the reason I believe that is because this is what God saw me doing. I'm convinced of that, and, and this is his will for our lives. And uh, let me just reference back uh, the goodness of God. My wife introduced me to that song, really, and I found myself listening to it repeatedly by C.C. Winan. And uh, several months ago, we got word that our son-in-law, Chad Stecker, was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. He had a tumor the size of a grapefruit, they said, and uh, found out later it was a very aggressive tumor. And it was one of the most challenging times for me as a dad. Now, he's my son-in-law, but I see him as more than a son-in-law, although that's, that's what he is. And I found myself playing that song on my iPhone, and I wear hearing aids, and they are connected to the iPhone, so I could even listen to it while I'm driving the bus. There was another song by Crystal Gale that is entitled, I Speak Jesus. And those two songs really minister to me. Aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit is still inspiring songwriters, and that so many of the songs that are being written today are just fantastic and uh, and so encouraging, and uh, making the story, uh, shortening the story. Uh, he went in and had surgery, and there was no spread of the cancer to any organs, no spread of the cancer to lymph nodes, and uh, they removed that section of the colon, and uh, he is cancer free. Is. All my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he has been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And that is a part of the role model that we have, men, as fathers. Uh, I might say, too, that I I had more fun here today than I've had in a long time in a Sunday morning (laughs) service. It it really, really mean that. It uh, was a wonderful uh, what a great way to honor the dads! And happy to see you doing that. I was I was reading an article this week. It was not a spiritual article. It was a secular article, and uh, it's about fathers. It says as our country commemorates Father's Day this weekend, it is important that we recognize the millions of children throughout our nation who are growing up without their fathers. Data from the United States Census Bureau shows that nearly 18.5 million children grow up without their dads, which has, in return, led to the United States owning the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. That's something. Uh, when I read things like that, it just it just magnifies to me the importance of followers of Christ and the influence of the church and. And, of course, where you're seated is your gathering place. You're the church. And uh, and how important that is, this staggering statistic has not only destroyed the nuclear family but has devastated communities across the nation. For example, 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. And over 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate from homes without fathers which causes me to feel like becoming a father must happen with some very serious deliberation. The consequences of my choices here may result in me being a dad. And and I want to know that I'm not only prepared for that financially and otherwise, but spiritually, and uh, that I'm very willing to embrace that responsibility. And in that context, too, I want to commend, commend the many single moms who have successfully raised their kids. And maybe you're here today, and that's been true of you. God bless you. Thank you for doing such a great job and embracing a dual responsibility. And I've met moms like that, and I've met children who come out of situations like that who, by the grace of God, have done incredibly well. And so I'm not wanting to suggest that every time a person finds himself in that situation that this is the outcome, what I read— I've seen the opposite of that more than once, and uh, God bless you for that. Uh, I thank God for your commitment and your role, and I'm sure so do your children. The title of my message this morning is simply "An Ordinary Man," an ordinary man. And Father's Day always takes me to memories of my own father, Russell Williams, and. Uh, He's been in heaven now for 32 years. And uh, my memories of my dad are as vivid as though they happened this morning because I had such a wonderful dad. And uh, thinking about my dad recently, I recognized that dad was not just, he was just an ordinary man who was made extraordinary by the activity of the Holy Spirit in his life. And uh, in that is not just true for my dad, it's true for any one of us who will allow the Holy Spirit to really work in our lives and uh, avoid at any cost thinking of or viewing the Holy Spirit like you're looking through a straw because his influence is much broader than that. In fact, he's involved in every area of our life, every day of our life, every moment of our life, really, and he's there, and he, he does such a great job in teaching us and informing us. My dad was born with a sin nature like all of us, born in a family of eight other siblings, and his dad was a coal miner up in the uh, Scranton area in northeastern Pennsylvania. But he responded to the Holy Spirit's conviction, and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior at the age of 12 in a little revival in a small Pentecostal church in a cemetery in Taylor, Pennsylvania. And uh, when he came home that evening, his mom and dad were seated in the kitchen. And uh, his dad says, what happened to you? <laughs> he saw something about my dad's countenance and, uh, and the attitude with which he entered the kitchen. And he said, uh, I went to that little revival down in the cemetery Tonight, and I got saved. I gave my heart to the Lord, and and his dad says, "You stay away from that place. Those are Pentecostal people, and they're a little, you know." And uh, and I've met a few that were a little, you know. It's a, and uh, his mother said, "We'll leave him alone. If it makes a difference in his life, it would be worth it." He was only 12 years old. He'd already developed that kind of a reputation with his mom and dad. At 21, dad responded to the call of God for full-time ministry, and uh, thankfully he responded to that. He was a faithful follower of Christ, a commitment brought about by, again, the activity of the Holy Spirit in his life. And uh, I listened to Pastor Paul's message from two weeks ago and uh, the message from last Sunday online, and I know that you've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your lives. It's so exciting to think about this person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and the plans he has for us and what he's doing in there. Sometimes I find myself asking, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in there? And I want to know because I want to cooperate with what he's doing. And and I found that he's not idle ever. He's never idle. He's not seated we don't need to encourage him to get up and do something. He's active all of the time. We just need to be sensitive to what he's doing and responsive to what he's done. So God placed me in a home with an excellent role model. He was a role model and, uh, his influence continues even though he has been in heaven since February of 1990 and, uh, I still learn from my dad. Now, I never try to communicate with that, obviously. That wouldn't be appropriate or even possible. But I remember the things that he said to me, and I remember the choices that he made and the actions that were so much a part of his life. And, uh, and I, that comes forward on me time and time again. And I believe the Holy Spirit's involved in that because my dad was a very wise man. He was a wonderful role model. And and when you think of yourself in the position of being a dad, now, Pastor Paul mentioned that we pastored for 43 years, and that was an important ministry in our lives. But there has never been a greater responsibility or a greater opportunity that the Lord has given ever given to me than that of being a dad and being a father. And uh, sincerely, I mean that. And uh, our, all of our kids love the Lord. They're serving the Lord. Our grandchildren, there's eight of them. They're serving the Lord. And uh, our children are our greatest accomplishment without any competition from anything else at all. Uh, and I'm thankful for that, and I give God the glory for that because I was, I was far from a perfect father or a perfect man. Uh, at, at 76, I still believe I have a lot to learn. And if you were around me long enough, you would agree with that statement. Uh, I have a lot to learn. God is still working in my heart. I want to talk to you about role models. And uh, I was thinking about a role model, and i and I give you this definition. A role model takes responsibility for their actions and inspire others to do the same. Uh, I had a couple of rebellious years in my younger years, like 17 and 18 years of age. And uh, I, not to the extreme, thank God, I, I didn't live an immoral life at that time, but, but there were other choices I was making that was very contrary to how I'd been taught and raised. And uh, you say, well, what brought you back to a place of commitment? And I remember it distinctly. I remember thinking about that at one point, thinking, you know, I know that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the one that needs to be the Lord of my life and the reason I was convinced of that was because of what I witnessed in my home with my mom and dad. I thought, you know, mom and dad, what they have is real, it's genuine. And I, I know that I need that in my life. And I remember that even though I was like 17, 18 years old. It was a defining moment in my life. My life. And I thank God for the role model that I had that was that convincing to me. That this is, this is genuine. This is authentic. And I saw that all throughout my younger years until I left home to go to college. And I, I've learned about role models as I've looked at the Word of God that good role models are, first of, first of all, good followers. They are followers. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow, Paul writes, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that tells me that it's it's to be able to to be able to speak out the truth to be able to say doctrine to be able to say what the expectation is is insufficient if it's not backed up by behavior and by action there needs to be an authenticity there and and that sometimes that's not the case and when it's not oftentimes the results are very negative and even maybe catastrophic so our children ought to be able to look at us and see authenticity, see a genuine heart, a genuine spirit, that we don't just know these truths, but we embrace them and we believe them, and we our our life and everything we do is impacted by them. And uh, and now our children all married and have children of their own. And I mean that's where our eight children, came, eight grandchildren came from, and uh, one great grandchild from our oldest granddaughter, expecting our second great grandson in December, is it? In December, which is coming soon. I'm so glad I'm here to experience that. It's just the most wonderful thing, uh, really. And and sometimes I feel like the great-grandchildren, that experience is even more special than the grandchildren. Don't tell any of my grandchildren I said that. But I'm just glad to be here for it. And so I realize that even now, even though I'm a granddad, I'm a great-grandfather, that authenticity remains just as important as it ever was. And, uh, and I might say this, authenticity usually is not seen when somebody goes like this to a person. I believe that it is seen more readily when somebody goes like this. And they become a good listener and they want to hear what the younger person has to say, and, uh, and they want to respond with questions maybe that are helpful and not condemning, that keeps the conversation going. And, uh, and I see that, and I'm so glad about that. My dad was a good listener, really. And uh, following involves knowing the guide. Good role models are followers, and my dad knew the best guide ever. He recognized the compassion, the truth-telling, and the generosity that was modeled in Jesus Christ, and he lived that way. John chapter sixteen, verse thirteen says this: "When the Spirit of truth comes, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth." Uh, I wasn't always a a quick learner. In my grade school and junior high years and senior high years, I was satisfied with C's, even D's from time to time. Uh, A psychologist some years ago who listened to me speak at a gathering at district council said, Stan, you're ADD. I said, yeah, I know. I said, leave me alone. I'm all right. I like it. Uh, She says, you may even be ADHD. I said, I like that, too. I've learned to deal with it. So, And I believe I was. I wasn't always a good listener. And, and not many teachers really succeeded in getting my attention. But there is this incredible teacher that lives within me. In fact, he travels with me wherever I am. He's there with me. And he knows everything about me. He knows who I am. He knows that I'm ADD. He knows I have problems with attention. And, and he knows exactly how to teach me and, and to cause me to learn what he has to say. And, and every time you open the Word of God or you're facing a decision in life and you recognize that the Holy Spirit lives within you, you know, he's teaching you and he's helping you and he wants to give you clarity of direction. And, and never in my life has the Holy Spirit spoken into my life in riddles and said, now figure that out, Stan. He's always been very clear, very, very clear. Sometimes I muddy the waters. When I don't like what he is telling me because it goes against my own desires and aspirations. Uh, Cheryl and I have been married 55 years, just on the 17th. And uh, Mm. we have been parents for 52 years. We enjoy our three children, their spouses, and our grandchildren, great grandchildren. And the Holy Spirit is guiding our influence as role models. Within the family. I could not do it on my own. Although it's come natural to me to love people. I really mean that. I do love people. I got to be with people. I couldn't just sit home. I have to be with people. Uh, There is so much I do. The Spirit guides me in the truth, as we've read. I do not always understand the changes of our day because changes happen, happen at a very accelerated rate. But the Holy Spirit gives me the wisdom to be a good listener. And, and being a good listener, I've discovered that my interpretation often is really not accurate. Tell me how you feel. Tell me why you feel the way you feel. Help me to understand. So, because understanding gives me an open door. To be able to influence in some way or be influenced on the other hand. And I find that there's never been a time where I needed a, a young person to speak into my life as much as I need that now, because they do understand better than I do the accelerated change. Desires that I have as a role model is this may my passion for Christ continue to inspire my family. You know, may may they be inspired by that. May I model a clear set of values that are biblically based and supported and not values that simply are from my background and my geographic location and my family affiliation, but values that are deeply rooted in the Word of God. May I be a role model in my focus on others. May I look, love others looking beyond their weaknesses. And I think that's very important, or their choices, or their sinful lifestyles. I'm brought back to a very familiar scripture time and time again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I've, I've thought about that often in recent months, that God loves everyone. He loves the world. There's not anything anybody could do that could cause God to love them less than he does. Now, they may lose his approval, and there's not anything anyone can do that would cause God to love them more than he does. And sometimes we struggle with that. We think, well, I need to convince God to love me more. But as a role model, I want to love others looking beyond their weaknesses. And with the help of God, I want to model overcoming setbacks by the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, anybody here ever have a setback? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe she'd have given a prize for that. Who had the most recent, <laughs> the most recent setback? Now, don't get nervous. Pastor said that time flies, and, and I'm not going to commit myself to making this go on and on and on forever here this morning. I mean, it's the first time I've competed with five different kinds of hot dogs. <laughs> you know? Well, Doggone. On a roll. <laughs> don't don't laugh. Don't get me started, please. I've got some serious things I need to say to you here this morning. We're going to look at some lessons from Paul. And one of the things I was looking at this week was Paul states in First Timothy that he saw himself as the worst. He saw himself as the worst. And when I I read that again, I thought this had to impact how Paul responded to other people that he came into contact with. When he compared himself to others, he saw himself as the worst. And I'm reading this from the message. Here's a word you can, 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one. Of someone who could have never made it apart from sheer mercy. Now, that really speaks to my heart. And uh, I mean, that's something every one of us ought to be able to say. You know, he didn't need forgiveness any more than I needed forgiveness. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I didn't make the same choices Paul made. I've never persecuted a believer, as far as I know. I certainly never put any in jail or ended their life. But I needed forgiveness, every bit as bad. I was as guilty as Paul was. And now he shows me off. He's talking about God. Now, Paul says, he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Pretty healthy way to think of yourself, although not a persecution complex, just a realistic appraisal. This is who I was. This is, this is what Jesus took me from. This is what his forgiveness meant to me in my life. How grateful are you for his forgiveness? Now, I was born into a pastor's home at five years of age. I committed my life to Christ for the first time. And uh, you say, what did you know? Well, the Holy Spirit, this teacher, is able to communicate with a five-year-old. And I remember that experience as though it happened this morning. It is that fresh, And I mean that. It's that fresh in my heart. Sometimes when I think about it, I get emotional. My need was as great and urgent as any other man. I could not have come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. In other words, I didn't do this on my own. Romans says no man seeks after God. I didn't do this on my own. The Holy Spirit pursued me. The gospel pursued me, wouldn't let me alone. He was like the hound of heaven just, you know, nipping at me and saying, hey, hey, do I have your attention yet? He pursued me. And in John chapter 6, verse 40, it's 44, it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. In other words, your eternal destiny is involved in this much gratitude for forgiveness. I'm so thankful for his forgiveness. And, and my question is, God, why, why would you pursue me? Why? But he did. And, and his answer is because, because I love you and I've always loved you and I've always had you in my sights and you wouldn't belong to me if I hadn't pursued you. I'm so grateful for that. And, and I want my family to know that. It's not because I've been such a great guy or that I've been a pastor, any of that. You know, he pursued me, and he still does. He still does. Causes me to understand. I went to a men's encounter over two years ago, about two years ago, and not as a participant, but not as a speaker, but just to be there. And uh, in the, uh, I think it was the first session, the first evening, they had a a wooden cross on the front and they said, and they handed out paper for us to write on. And they said, I want you to write on that. Something in your life that troubles you. And so all of us did. And they said, now we want you to come and nail that to this cross. Nail it to the cross. And we all did. And, uh, Went to our cabins, went to bed, got up the next morning, first session. Cross is up there and the papers are on the cross. And uh, along with something in addition to the paper we we put there, and he said, now we want you to come up and remove your paper from the cross. Our names weren't on it, we just knew where it was. And bring it back to your seat, but don't open it. Don't open it until we tell you. And at, within a few minutes, they said, All right, open your paper, and I opened my paper in front of me. And three words, you are forgiven. And it just it's just like slapped me in the face. And it was emotional to me. You are forgiven. Living that way is very important. And having experienced forgiveness as a dad, we now know how to give forgiveness. You know, my dad was not a physical man when it came to punishment. He was a compassionate man. And when I, when I think back on my dad, he disciplined me. And all he had to do was look at me at times, and that was enough. But he showed me mercy Time and time and time again. And that that example was more powerful than a spanking. It really was. I learned from dad how to be merciful. I learned from God how to be merciful. He was merciful to me. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Paul saw himself as the worst. Paul narrowed his focus down to one thing. In Philippians chapter 3, a very familiar portion of his letter to the church at Philippi. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. One thing that I do that I do now. His focus was narrowed down to one, and every when I read that, I think, "Wow!" It's and I. The scripture examines your own heart and and causes you to be introspective and to look in and think. You know, how many how many a focus do I have, and and do I live by? Do I have others that overwhelm that in my life, one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead? Do not live in the past. Some, As a pastor, I've, I've sat down with individuals many, many times who could not get past some of the choices they made earlier on in their life, even though they had brought that before God and they laid it at the cross. And they needed to move on. They needed to put that in the past. Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Move on. Don't don't let that baggage drag you down. Move forward. Paul mentions that forgetting what is behind. Just he had to do. He had a lot to forget. He had a lot to forget. Had he not been able to do that, he would have never been used of God the way that he was used of God but he he came to understand grace and mercy and it impacted his life in incredible ways and he forgot it. He put it behind him and he pressed on to what God's plan and goal was for his life. Why did God draw me? Why did he apprehend me? Why did he bring me into this relationship? That was his focus. Do not live in the past. Rejoice in the present and the future. Rejoice in it. When I was a younger man, and my, my dad was getting older. Dad died two weeks before 80. And uh, there were times, I would think, I wonder what it feels like to Dad to be in his mid-to- late '70s, and he had had brain hemorrhage and he was struggling with health issues. And uh, when my dad was still able to communicate, he rejoiced in the past, and the present and the future. Dad would say something like this, sudden death is sudden victory. It's Allie here and Louie over there. <laughs> I never never forgot those comments that he made. Rejoice in the future. Now, I'm 76, and Dad died four years later. I rejoice in the future. I certainly rejoice in the present. You know, we have an empty nest. It's my wife and I. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I love my grandchildren. I love to see the headlights and I love to see the taillights. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Wonderful having you. Enjoy your evening. Come back again. And I mean that. I we really we're gonna be with them today and we love that so much. So much. Rejoice in the present, rejoice in your future and forget the past, I should say. Last point, Paul finished strong. He finished strong. Some years ago when we were serving the congregation in Lancaster, New Life Assembly of God, I think I was maybe 56 at the time. And uh, I said to my wife more than once, I said, I just want out. Enough is enough. That's exactly what I said. And my wife looked at me with concern and encouraged me to think a little more about that and to even pray about it. So I took time and I went to the conference center in Carlisle, and I thought I'm going to go there and I'm going to fast and pray. And uh, I was a little hesitant because there's been a, there have been times when I've done that and heard nothing. Did you ever have that experience? Maybe I wasn't listening. But I did it, and I got there that late that afternoon and uh, had a room in the motel there at the conference center and uh, opened my Bible to Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Verse 13, I think it is, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I remember that like it happened yesterday. And... Uh, The Holy Spirit, just this teacher within me, just empowered that word and just put it right into me. And it was an emotional experience. I went to bed, then I thought, man, wow, this is so amazing. And I I had that portion of Scripture memorized before that. And uh, I woke up the next morning, and, and I thought, we were close by a church we had pastored before, about 60 miles, and it was a wonderful experience, and I thought... I'm going, to, I'm going to go there today. And then I thought, well, you can't do that because you're going to spoil everything. You came here to meet with God. And the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart, and this is what he said. He said, I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. Wherever you are, I'm going with you. Now, I know there are special places where we spend time before God, and I'm, I think that's a great thing. But sometimes we don't recognize the fact that he is always with us. The only relationship that we have that has uninterrupted access. You know, my wife and I are together a great deal of the time, but not always. And so our contact is interrupted. But with the Spirit of God, it's uninterrupted. No matter. Not only does my teacher travel with me, but my prayer room travels with me. If the only time I prayed was in a closet, I wouldn't be praying very much. I have responsibilities. There's things i got to do. So my prayer room travels with me as well. And he said, you go ahead and go, and I'm going with you. That's just how he spoke into my heart. And I thought, great, okay, let's go. So, so I went, and uh, I pulled in by the church and drove by it. And then I came back and stopped. I didn't go in. Stopped, I said, Lord, what was it about this place? And the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart, just into my heart. I've never heard an audible voice. Maybe you have, but I haven't. He said it had nothing to do with the place. And I remember I said, I said, what do you mean it had nothing to do with the place? And the next thought he put in my heart was, you've changed. I said, how have I changed? And then the next thought was, you were hearing me. And you were passionate about your relationship with me. And you were passionate about your call. he said, "I want you to finish strong and i that, that stuck him and it just it just it solved the problem paul it just that was it in fact matthew five that portion of the Sermon on the Mount has been my mission statement personal mission statement for me. Weeks went by, and i was Praying at the church, and I said, Lord, you know, I want to finish strong. He said, I didn't mean finish strong as a pastor, although I think that's important. I mean finish strong as a dad. As a grandfather. As a husband. Finish strong. I said, your responsibility, you'll never have a more important responsibility than that of being a dead. live without regrets die without regrets model hope not why me run hard to the end believing all the way I've mentioned a couple of times my age and you know what I've discovered is God knows how old Stan Williams is but he doesn't seem to care. He's as active in my life now as he was when I was 36. He still believes that he can do something through me as an instrument in his hands. And he believes that about you as well. He loves you and he's called you into a very important ministry. I'd like all the men to stand. Would Every man here, would you just stand? The worship team is going to come back onto the platform. I'm going to invite altar workers that are designated here. If you would come forward to the front. There are individuals here that we very possibly want prayer, special prayer, for their lives. And I encourage you to do that right now. Men, if you want prayer, if, if there are ladies here that want prayer, please feel free to come. What you've heard this morning is you have a desire in your heart. You want to be a role model, a role model that will bring glory to God, a role model that will impact your children and your family, your wife. The Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. Don't hesitate if you feel as though you want somebody to pray specially for you. Just come and receive that. How many times God has used those opportunities to accomplish something significant in our lives? wants to do that for you this morning. I'm going to pray, and as I do, if you would like somebody here to pray for you, please feel free to come. Father, I thank you for your great love and mercy, for your faithfulness, for the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after us, and we know that, and we've experienced that over and over again. I pray for every dad that's present here this morning. Thank you for them. Thank you for their authentic lives. Encourage each one of us, Lord, as fathers, that we can depend on you and that you will give us what we need to accomplish your purpose and plan. I give you praise for that, Lord, and I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for answering prayer. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for living within us and teaching us the truth. I give you all of the praise for that ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.